0: Uh, we're going to continue our series in Hebrews, Everything Starts with Jesus. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about the family business and uh, what God has set for us and, and really in a way that we're following Jesus. Um, and I promised we would be talking about the priest stuff a few weeks ago. Well, this is where we're going to start. And so as we're reading the text, I do want to say there is going to be a word Melchizedek. That might freak you out if you're not like if you haven't studied the Bible super hard. We're not gonna we're just we're, we're gonna we're not gonna deal with it today. It's coming up in a couple of weeks, and so we will address it. But today, just don't stress about that. Instead, let's focus more on priest and what it is uh, that Jesus is um, has been called to. So let's let's take a look at the text together. This is Hebrews five uh, five to ten. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, "You are my son." today I have become your father. And in another place, he said, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. You might be thinking about the Garden of Gethsemane where he's crying out, God, lay this this, this cup pass from me. I don't I don't want to do this. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. God heard him, said no in the moment, but heard him. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And yes, don't don't stress about Melchizedek. We'll hit that in, in a few weeks. The author's going to come back to it. Um, but for right now, let's focus on what is going on here. The first thing I want us to look at is is these, these quotes. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Uh, he says in another place, you are a priest forever. Who is he and what places are they talking about? Well, these are quotes from the Psalms. So the first quote is from Psalm 2. The second quote is from Psalm 110. And if you're familiar with those songs, if you open them up and you start looking at them, you're going to see that they're what we sometimes call royal psalms. They're uh, psalms that are either to the, uh, about the king of Israel or maybe representing all of Israel or just Israel. And so the you, uh, in the first century, they would have heard that to refer either to the king of Israel or to Israel as a whole nation. And if you read these psalms, you're going to find out that what happens in them is God is promising the people, the people of Israel that great things are going to happen. That they're going to become the, the greatest among the nations. All the nations will be set at Israel or the king of Israel's footstool. That Israel is going to be glorious and wondrous. That there are great things in store for Israel. Israel is going to be the top. Israel, is in fact, is going to become the high priest for all the nations. We'll talk a little bit more about what that means in a second. But the point is, is that this would be very odd to be thinking about this as Jesus uh, in the first century, when the, the Jewish people read this, it would have been odd to think about this as these Psalms as referring to Jesus. Well, there's, that's, that's okay, because, uh, in, I mean, are, are any Philadelphia Eagles fans here? Football's coming up. I'm joining a a, a fantasy league this year, so I'm probably going to pay a little more attention. To what's happening. But, uh, five years ago, ancient history, before COVID, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles got to the Super Bowl. I don't know if you remember this in 2018. The interesting thing is the Philadelphia Eagles, their franchise started in 1933. And up until 2018, they never won a championship. Only got to the, the, the championship game four times. And, and up till then they'd never, and the biggest problem was they never had the guy. Uh, the guy um, in professional football, a lot rides on the shoulders of the quarterback. Well, fortunately for the Eagles in 2016, uh, and I got a picture here of of Carson when he was uh, when he was selected. They got the number two choice in the draft, and they picked Carson Wentz, who had won like four national championships um, for like North Dakota or some. They, they get t- second in the draft. It was the highest that um, anyone from the F- FCC. I can't remember what league he was in had ever been drafted and he was an amazing prospect. Finally they had a guy who could read the defenses had the arm and the accuracy to lead them all the way and boy did it pay off. His first season they get to the playoffs. His second season they're playing even better than the most dominant team in the league. Perhaps maybe the Patriots in the Tom Brady era would challenge them but it looks like Carson Wentz is rolling. He's headed not just to a championship but to, to Hall of Fame. But as would happen many times in his career, and has happened, late in the season he got injured. And he couldn't play. Their dreams were derailed. Unfortunately, the, the, his backup was Nick Foles, who the, the Eagles actually drafted in 2012. They traded him away and, and brought him back. He was a third-round picked journey, journeyman, never really uh, succeeded that well at the quarterback position, was going to be a lifetime backup. And he's put in. And a miracle happens. Nick Foles plays at the highest possible level. He takes the Eagles all the way through the playoffs, faces off against his longtime rival, Tom Brady, wins, throws four touchdowns in, in, the, in the championship game, becomes the MVP of the Super Bowl championship team. No one saw it coming. This guy was a nobody. He, by the way, Nick Foles, uh, he, he's in seminary right now. He's taking online seminary classes. He plans on becoming a pastor when he finally uh, retires from, from professional football. He's an interesting, really cool guy. But that moment was the moment where he was at the top. He was at the highest. Uh, Carson Wentz, for whatever reason, his body couldn't hold up. He just didn't have what it took to carry the team all the way. And a lot of people think that may be kind of the mark of his career. And Nick Foles, the guy from nowhere, shows up out of nowhere and then does what, what Carson Wentz dreamed of doing but could never pull off. Well, that's exactly what the author of Hebrews thinks has happened. The people expected Israel to become this amazing nation, the, the high priest for all the nations around uh, at the top of the... But it never happened. By the time Jesus arrives, Israel is, is oppressed. They're small. They're weak. There's no way that they could ever become what they thought they were meant to be. And then this one guy out of nowhere comes out of a carpenter from the north of the country, a peasant, comes along and, and does everything in his life that Israel was called to do and never could. And the author of Hebrews says, and as a result, God appointed him MVP. The high priest. That's the first thing in your note sheets. Jesus became the son and the high priest Israel needed, but could never manage. Well, what does that mean? If you go back to the text, notice this high priest, a priest forever. What is is the author talking about? Why, Why does it matter that there are priests? And why does it matter that Jesus is the highest one? Well, you may not, when I mean, we tend to think about, especially church people, if you've been in church for a long time, you, you tend to think about priests as the guys who like, you know, are like sli- slicing open the throats of animals and, and making them bleed and die, which is true. Um, interesting fact, uh, for like the ancient like sacrificial system, really what it was, it was like a big barbecue, like a big annual barbecue, like we're about to experience after the service is over. the The priest was kind of like the guy who brought the meat and he would kill it, and then they would cook it, They'd cook a big bowl. Right? And, and the, the smell of, even if you're a vegan, you have to admit it smells pretty good when it's cooking. Uh, that would go up to God who was pleased with that. And then everyone would come together and feast together in thankfulness for atonement or as a way of saying, God, you're amazing. Or they, what, what the priest was really doing was standing in between the people and God. People needed somebody to do the, the, the things that would get them right with God or show them how to uh, appreciate God. So one, some of the sacrifices would be like Thanksgiving sacrifices, or they would be like uh, the first fruits of the harvest to say, God, you were so faithful to us. And the priest was the one who made the suggestion. He's like, well, if you want to say that to God, try this, you know, do, do this sacrifice and then we'll all eat together and we'll all have the celebration together. The priest was the one who stepped in between people and made sure they were right with God. My wife is uh, headed back to work. She's been off for two years, and it's been cool to have her home. Um, she really enjoyed spending a lot of time with the kids and whatnot. The problem is we are about to experience something that we experienced before when she worked and I worked. And it's, it's what to do with the pile. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I got a picture of it here. This is one thing that you can do. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if, if you've experienced this, but uh, in our home, well, I, I, I'll wear the same outfit like four days in a row. In fact, last week I wore the same tank top like three times. Um, and I know you think that's gross, but there's a reason for it. The reason is, is that I, I wear the same thing because everyone else in my family changes three to five times a day. And, and as soon as they change, they immediately throw uh, the dirty clothes uh, into the pile. Now when Aaron was home, I was like, you got it, honey. Now we've got, well, Soren's pretty good. Soren wouldn't change that much. He would just stay in his jams all day, but he's forced to. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned. Like what's going to happen this year as the pile? Cause I don't want to do it. I, I hate doing laundry. And I, I, I did it for many years. I was Mr. Mom. I did the stuff. I paid my dues. So I, where I found this photo was on the Facebook page of LaundryLadies.com. You heard about this? Yeah, so Laundry Ladies, they assign you a a lady, and she you you take your pile, okay, and you put it outside your door, and magically the, the laundry elf causes it to disappear. And then, like five days later, you open your door, and there are packages wrapped like Christmas presents. And every single one of your clothes has been Laundered and folded And you get to rip it open like it's Christmas morning Like Ah Why do I tell you this The point is Is that like We can't do it all on our own Right I mean At a certain point all of us get to our breaking point Where we just can't do much more I think for our family it's probably going to be the laundry That's going to be where I'm like We need help we're, we're in trouble here. Like, I don't know how it's gonna work. Maybe my mother-in-law can come over and help. Maybe it's the laundry ladies. But we're gonna have to do something because we're, we don't have it. And that's, that's not just the case with the daily tasks of life. It's not just the case with the things that we do on, on a, on a, to, to keep the, the, the family going. It's also the case in our spiritual lives. And God understood that. That's why He created the priestly class. There was going to be a set of people He could outsource, not the laundry to, but the spiritual laundry. You're like, you, I know, Israel, you're not able to do it all on your own, so I'm going to give you some people that are going to help you along the way. When you're not, not sure how to, to honor me or to love me or to appreciate me or to say sorry to me, I'm going to have a people, are, their special job is to make sure that happens. And so when Jesus is called the high priest, he is being called the guy who completely and once for all fully set, sets us right with God. But as we're going to see in a moment, that's, that's great, but we still need priest type people in our lives to help us. Jesus did set us once and for all right with God, but we still have our lives that we live. Our, our lives still get beset by sin, our, our lives still get confusing and, and scary and, and busy, and we need people who priest for us. It's so the next thing you're no cheats. We all need priests, people who go to God on our behalf. This is not to, to solve all of our sin problems. Jesus did that. Jesus paid the, paid it all. But it is to help us along as we're going through this life. I don't know about you, but I mean, it's really easy in this culture to settle into like a, I'm, I'm just, it's me and Jesus. Me and Jesus, we don't, I don't need anybody. I don't go to church. I don't need people at the church. I don't need anything. I just need to pray to the Lord, and him and me, we're going to be fine together. How's that working out for this culture? How's that working out here insofar as it happens? Well, I got a couple of questions. Do you have someone who priests for you? Do you have someone who walks with you who cares for you who mentors you who guides you who prays for you who hears from you who shares with you or are you just kind of like me and Jesus we got it another question who do you priest for is there somebody in your life that you're bringing along that you're like I know this is hard I've been through some of these things and I can share with you and I can explain how some of this is going to work and how some of it's not going to work I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to hold you accountable. And probably the most important question is this one. If you don't, how's that working out, number one, and how's it going to change? I bring this up. Uh, I recently started um, getting someone who priests for me. His name's John Caprine. He's a pastor in Las Vegas. I highly recommend that uh, this year at the business meeting that you fire me and hire him because he is outstanding. Like he is one of the coolest, most genuine, authentic guys I've ever met. And we're total opposites. He's like very like he was in the Marines, so he's like very organized and you know high energy, and and I'm like ooh. Uh, one of the things that it's been crazy is. Not only does he share with me, you know, some of his experiences and he listens to the things that are going on uh, for me in my ministry, but he's like he he just texts me randomly. He's like, "Bro, I was just praying for you. I know I know this thing is happening and I know it's hard for you. I just want you to know that someone's out there." And I got to thinking—he's also very intentional. His church is very serious about this idea that people priest for each other. Uh, he doesn't call it that, but he's very intentional about having like his 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 vision for the church is to have everybody being cared for in some way, some some real deep way, not just like, hey man, I saw you on Sunday, that was awesome, but like being heard, being like you know mentored, being transformed, having someone along come alongside and really encourage and push. So that's been in my mind for a while, and I, I, just, I'm just throwing this out there, just to, you know, see, kinda like, see if I get any bites, but at 4.30 in the morning on like Wednesday this week, I woke up and, and I was like, we gotta have a prayer and care team. We gotta have a group of men and women who are committed to getting into the lives of other people in this congregation who need them who are willing to walk with them and meet with them and pray for them and counsel them and mentor them and learn from them. And I, th- this, is, this is popping up because uh, there's been a couple of y'all who've come to me over the last, you know, couple of years at least saying, Hey, like I would love to be involved with something like that, and I'm like, man, do we have anything I mean we've got a couple we got some prayer meetings which are awesome, not against that love love prayer meetings, but do we, are we intentional? Do we have people who are like like really just saying, I'm committed to getting to know and be with and 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 walk alongside others? So like, again, I'm just throwing that out there. So if you are a person who is, that sounds interesting to you, like maybe we could like meet, you know, let's get a team together, meet once a week, something like that, kind of talk about what's happening, get, and get, and get after people. Or maybe you're somebody who's like, I've been kind of going it alone and it's working out okay, but I'm curious what could happen if, um, if, if, if somebody got alongside, if someone priested for me. Well, either one of those, please talk to me because I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking maybe this is something that Jesus has for us and, or the spirit has for us. And and if not, that's okay. But I, I'm getting this sense, this tug that we need to go that direction. So, Hey, after when you're, when you're eating the brisket or whatever we have out there, if you see me, just come up and let let me know if, if that, if that tickles your ears a little bit. Okay. All right, let's go back to the text. This is a, it's odd, a little bit difficult for a lot of Christians. Um, son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. For people who haven't been in church for a long time, this you're like, oh, okay, that's cool that that happened. For people who have been in church for a long time, this is scary because what, they, what we tend to believe is that Jesus was perfect. He's God. And if you're God, how do you learn stuff like obedience? You already know that. Right? And how can you be made perfect Because you're already perfect right? and it, So let me, let me break this down When it says made perfect The Greek behind that word is uh, It's teleos, uh, teleomai Which uh, the noun form of that is telos And that word can mean perfect But the ancient world doesn't think of perfection Like we tend to We tend to think of perfection as like I obeyed every bit of the law perfectly I, I've never made a mistake. That's how we think of perfection. Uh, the ancient world, though, is different. The ancient world thinks of, of telos not like perfection, but like the end, or the goal, or completion, or finishing. Okay? And so one, a, a, probably a better way to translate this would be, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once he finished, or once he, he completed the, the goal... Once he achieved the goal, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now, I'm not sure if that helps us, but let me tell you a story. And I think this is kind of what the author of Hebrews is getting at. So imagine, if you will, two young men, both of whose fathers own a business. Like we got some business owners here, like Jack. Jack, your your sons you're thinking about giving your son the business, right? At some point, he's already the boss. Already the boss. Well, there you go, Brent, good dude. Well, so these these both these boys that their dads own the business, they're growing up, and uh, the first boy, his dad's like, you need to go off to college after you finish high school, and so he does. He goes off to college. He's like, now you need an, an MBA, and so he goes to grad school, gets a gets a business degree, and as soon as he graduates with his MBA, his dad says, congratulations, you are in charge. Make some money. The company is yours. The second son graduates from high school, and his dad says, Son, we've got some, uh, we've got some problems on the, uh, the assembly line in the, in, the, in the factory. I want you to go, and I want you to start uh, lifting all the boxes and putting them on the truck. Because we, 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 need, we need another strong back, and you seem like you're in decent shape. So the boy goes for two years. Two years, he's he's just working it, getting strong. And then after that, his dad, he comes to his dad. He says, "He says, what else do we need?" And his dad says, "I, I need someone to go on the road. We're not selling very well. I need, for some reason, we're not connecting with our customers. Doors are being shut in our faces. I want you to go out there. I want you to go on the road, and I want you to sell." And so the boy goes, and he fails at it. He's horrible. Door after door shut in his face Over time he starts to, to get his groove He begins to like get to know the customers He begins, begins to hear and listen from them Listen to them and hear from them And he starts to realize that the, One of the reasons the, the, the door is being shut In his face is because they're, he, they're not meeting the needs of these people His company's not and so he goes back to his dad and he says, "Dad, I think the reason this is going wrong is because we 're not meeting these people 's needs he 's like, "Well, son, I, I want you to talk to a team. I want you to get together, a team and talk about a solution the solutions that our, our customers actually need and so the boy goes to the the, 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 the engineers he 's like here 's what they 're saying here 's what we 're delivering we're not ma- what what 's the plan to make that happen The engineers start working together with him and, and he doesn 't know engineering real well, but he he knows the problems he hasn 't been to college doesn 't know the stuff but he but he's been on the ground and so he works with the engineers and they come up with a new plan for how to sell. And then he goes to his dad and says, this is the plan. His dad says, we don't have the money. Where's the money going to come from? I want you to go and hang out with the, 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 um, the, uh, the accountants. I want you to go to the accountants And I want you to find where the money So he goes to the accountants doesn't know a thing about accounting But he he graduated high school math And so he goes to the accountants He learns Excel He learns the thing Starts tracing down all the money Where is it going? He sees the glut He sees the place in the company that Where the waste is He goes to his dad and says I found where the waste is If we transfer the money from here to here We can change the project And his dad says I want you to present it to the vice presidents And so he goes He presents it to the vice presidents The vice presidents are, are They're like Some of them are yes Some of them are no His dad says You know what? My son's the new CEO, and you're going to do exactly what he says. Which business is probably going to succeed? The author of Hebrews says even though he's a son, he learned from the ground up, he learned the hard way. He went down into the factory. He rubbed elbows with the workers. He went out on the road and he got rejected. He saw what was lacking. And he realized the only way to make the difference would be hard, hard work. Work unto death. That's what the author of Hebrews means when he says once made perfect, once he completed the goal once he went through death and resurrection once he did it all he's made high priest and the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him last thing in your note sheets Jesus learned priesting the hard way by living with us and suffering for us. What does that mean for us? Well, you might remember at the very beginning of this series, uh, Jesus is called the pioneer, the trailblazer of our faith. Well, he wasn't just trailblazing in his life, he was trailblazing priesthood. Take a look here at 1 Peter 2. Peter says, you believers, you Jesus followers, you're a chosen people. What a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. It's on you believers to act on behalf of everyone with God. You have to take up the duties of a priest just as Jesus did. And you've got to do it the way he did it. You've got to start on the bottom. You've got to take your licks. And when that happens, when it does, you're going to be transforming your shaped, hammered into the people who represent God fully, rightly and holy. So that brings up a question. Our family business is not jacks. It's not making traffic devices. Our family business is interceding on behalf of the world and each other with God. How are you learning it? How are you a part of it? Are you, are you acting as an intercessor in, in, in between somebody and God? Are you priesting for someone? And if you are, how are you doing it? Do you know what it looks like to be the kind of person who can can come alongside and encourage and, and pray for and, and be a a life you know partner for? Do you do you know what that looks like? Have you done it? How do you learn it if you haven't? That's the next question. The way Jesus did it was by suffering. If you want a priest, you got to hurt. If you want to be for people, for God, you're going to have to. Probably not to death. Probably not um, martyrdom. But you're probably going to have to hurt. Earlier on, uh, we skipped it, but uh, the author of Hebrews says um, a, gr- a great priest is someone who's gentle with people because he suffered. And he knows what it's like. You have to suffer well, are you? And number three, if you have suffered, how did it change you? Are you more compassionate? Are you more gentle? Are you hard? The author of Hebrews says that when Jesus went through it, when he learned from the ground up, when he was with the people, it hurt, but when he came out on the other side, there's a gentleness and a compassion about him that reaches and cuts to the core of every, of every heart. For those of you who are suffering now, I pray that it's going to turn you into someone compassionate and gentle. For those of you who it's hardened in the past, I pray that that can be redeemed. That you can come back and be a person who's softer and and ready to walk with and priest for others. And if you're interested in that, come talk to me because I think it's something we need. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for making Jesus the high priest the one who goes to God on behalf of us on behalf of the whole world the one who mediates with you Father who offers us compassion, forgiveness who gently leads us Holy Spirit for those of us who are suffering and who have suffered, soften our hearts give us endurance and strength as we walk through difficult things, knowing that on the other side we will be changed, we will be made into instruments and priests for those around us. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, for those of us who have been um, hardened and, and, and broken by our suffering, put us back together. Soften us, make us the types of people who can walk alongside and encourage and care. Try God, you are great. You are the greatest. And we know that you can do these miracles in our hearts as we follow Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen.